today we are going to wrap up uh, our series, We Are the Church, uh, and it's a smaller series of a bigger series called The Story. We've been reading through the Bible all year up through this month, and we've done it through an abridged copy of a chronological Bible written kind of like a novel, and it's called The Story, The Story of God. And if you don't yet have a copy of that, we'd love to give you one of those free today, also out in our lobby at the Welcome Center. Uh, And it's just been awesome. And I just want to say this last week, we finished reading the story. So congratulations. I'm so proud of you. We've we've read through the entire Bible, and, and we figured out... And some of it's hard and it's hard to understand, but, but most of it is just, you know, very comforting. And what it really tells us is that our everyday stories, our everyday lower stories, like living here on the earth, are a part of God's bigger picture story. And how awesome that is and that God created us to be in relationship with God and with each other. And when we kind of mess that up, God sent his son Jesus into the world to try and win us back. And so we, we've spent all this year doing that. And I would just encourage you to, to celebrate having read through the Bible and just encourage you to keep reading the Bible every day. You know, maybe it's a, a chapter a day, a few verses a day. You pick out a book to read over the month. You know, read that as a family, read it as an individual, study it in your small groups, your classes. Right? You, we've done a great job so far. I hope that's been transforming in your life so much that you're going to want to continue reading the scriptures moving forward. Uh, And this past week, we read in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And I know that that is a book that can be very confusing. It can be very scary. They made all these movies about the end of the world linked to the book of Revelation, and many of them are not truthful to, to what goes on. And, you know, in thinking about talking about the book of Revelation today, I think I just I would, I would come at it as this in, in this direction, and I took a, you know, a bunch of classes on this when I was studying to be a pastor. And I remember at the end of one long year where we'd gone through all the details and the, the complications of the Book of Revelation. That the, at the last meeting of of this class, my professor said, you know, what I really want to leave you with is you know maybe a, a more simple way to think about the Book of Revelation. And to be able to teach that and share that with other people as we look at this book. And ultimately, the book of Revelation is a book of hope. It's about the end of time when Jesus comes back from heaven to earth uh, and he subdues evil uh, for good. And uh, the evil is banished and then we live with Jesus forever into eternity. And so as believers of, of, in Christ... That should be a comforting thing, that good will win out, uh, that we can be with our loved ones and with Christ forever into eternity. Uh, and if we're not in a good relationship with Jesus, then, then yeah, maybe we probably should be a little worried or anxious about that. But ultimately, the book of Revelation is a book of hope. And the book of Revelation, in, in thinking about this, if you remember one thing about the book of Revelation when you go home today and, and in the future someone talks to you about the book of Revelation, it's this. The book of Revelation, the theology in the book of Revelation is the same as the theology in the Lord's Prayer. The theology, the thinking of God, what it says to us from a spiritual standpoint in the book of Revelation is the same as what is in the Lord's Prayer. And so I just want to briefly kind of walk you through what that really looks like. So in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, this is the first book of the New Testament. Uh, it's, uh, It's the good news about Jesus. You can see it here on the screen. Jesus teaches us how to pray, and and this is what we've come to know as the Lord's Prayer. So this is from Matthew chapter 6. and So, our Father who art in heaven, 
So in the book of Revelation, we get a glimpse into heaven. A man named John who wrote the book of Revelation was given a vision from God. He got to look into heaven. And so the book of Revelation gives us a a peek of what it looks like in heaven. So our Father who art in heaven. In heaven, there's this big throne room. God sit it on this big throne. Uh, And so we get to see in the throne room of heaven, hallowed be thy name. There are all these creatures flying around, all these people who've died and gone to be with Christ. And and what they're doing is they're worshiping God and they're saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So we see this glimpse into heaven. We see that everyone in heaven is worshiping God and, and calling God holy. And then it says, Thy kingdom come, right? So at the end of the book of Revelation, after, after evil has been defeated, then Jesus comes and it says that he makes a new heaven and a new earth. And Jesus brings his kingdom in full back to the earth and remakes the earth. Right? And so at the end, evil's defeated, the kingdom of God wins, and Jesus brings the new heaven, the new earth. He brings himself and the new earth and the kingdom of God to earth. Did, did, I want you to catch this now at the end of time. We're going to be spending for eternity on the earth. Okay? Jesus comes back. He, brings, he makes a new heaven, new earth, but he brings the kingdom back to earth where we will be in our resurrected bodies and we'll spend eternity with Christ on the new earth. And I think that's something that a lot of times we miss, that, that this planet that we live on is a very special place, not only now, but for uh, eternity into the future. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? So the new earth, the kingdom of God is on the new earth. But, but what's going on here in the book of Revelation and in the Lord's Prayer is God saying, don't just sit back and wait for it to happen. Right? Don't wait for Jesus to come back. We have work to do now. Evil is still real in the, in the world, and, and we're called to bring the good news of Jesus into the world where we work and where we play and where we live and shop and, and schools and neighborhoods and in families. That As followers of Jesus, our job is to advance the kingdom of God by loving God and loving people. Right? So we can't wait for the future. It's going to be awesome, but, but we have to work to bring the kingdom of God in now. And that's why Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit to be with us to help make earth more like heaven until Jesus comes back and finishes the job. So that's a very powerful part of the Lord's Prayer and a part of the book of Revelation. Give us this day our daily bread. In the midst of bringing in God's kingdom, God, you need to sustain us, not just with our physical needs, but with our spiritual and emotional needs. Sometimes it's hard to to live in the world as a Christian. So God, give us what we need and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In the book of Revelation, God writes a series of letters to the churches that were then in existence. And in these letters to these churches, God says to them, you were doing these things very well. Keep up the good job. Keep up the good work. Way to go. But then for every church, he lists some things that they're not doing so well. And he says, you need to fix these things. You you need to make some corrections. In fact, you need to ask for forgiveness in, in some of these areas where you're not getting it right. And I will forgive you. And so that's hopeful that, hey, we're not perfect, but God is ready to forgive us and, and we have some work to do. And even as God forgives us, then we are to forgive the people in our lives who have hurt us, right? even when they don't deserve it, even when they don't ask for it, right? As we have been forgiven, we are called to forgive others in this world until the full kingdom of God comes. And lead us not into temptation. There's a lot of stuff that's going to try to keep us away from doing what God wants us to do. So God, help us deal with temptation, but deliver us from evil, right? 
Good versus evil is a real thing. There's a lot of evil in the world, and it can be scary and intimidating. And sometimes wait, we bow to peer pressure, and we don't do what's right. God, deliver us from evil. Give us the strength to do what we need to do as followers of, of you in the world. Now, in the Bible, that's where Jesus kind of cuts off the Lord's Prayer. But in the early church, they added a couple more lines that we continue to say in the Lord's Prayer as well. For God, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, right? God, it's your kingdom, your power, it's for your glory. It's not about us, God, it's about you, and and you will reign forever, and thank you for letting us be a part of that. So, the Lord's Prayer is the theology of the book of Revelation. And I kind of wish my professor had started with that rather than ending with that, you know, after all those papers and all the lectures and stuff, but, but... So as you think about the book of Revelation, as you have opportunities to talk to other people about the book of Revelation, remember, it's a book of hope, and the theology is the same thing as the Lord's Prayer. Now, one thing I've always wondered is that, you know, God wrote all these letters to these churches about what they were doing well, what they could do better, and I always wondered, did any of the churches write a letter back to God? Uh, And maybe they wrote those letters and somehow they just didn't make it into the Bible. And and if not, if they were to write a letter back to God, what would they have said about their church in response to this letter from God? And so uh, today I want to show you kind of a video letter that we've been working on here at our church to kind of summarize what our congregation has been doing over the last five years and what we believe is a vision that God has given us to reach our community for God. The positive things that we've tried to do, some mistakes that we've made along the way. And, and so we're going to be publishing this video uh, on our website and, and some of our social media to kind of give the, the community and the world an idea of what we've been doing for the last five years. And I talked to some about this in our recent Inside Look events, but we've added to that. And so I want to share this kind of video letter with you. And, and watching it earlier after we produced it, I noticed there's one big old blooper right in the middle that we missed. So y'all have a good laugh at that when you hear me go, oh, <laughs> so it's going to be fun. But this is kind of a, a letter about what we believe God has called us to do as a church living and working in the world to advance God's kingdom until Jesus comes back. So check out what we've been about for the last five years and where we think God's calling us to move forward into the future. Hello, everyone. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson of South Park Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'd like to share with you a grand vision that God has given to us that I think you'll find very exciting. We stand at a unique moment in our history as God has called us to do something monumental for the kingdom of heaven. What a privilege and honor it is to be your pastor at this time and to share this wonderful news with you. I was recently with our leadership team and some others from the congregation over on the church property. And it was just a powerful experience for us as we stood there and we prayed and we thought back to all the 50 years of memories that we have made on that sacred space. It also caused us to think back to what some of the founding members must have felt like when it was just a cow pasture before anything was here. And then when our first campus was erected and was the only thing that you could see around, it's just amazing to think all that's transpired since then. And now we again felt like pioneers as we are looking forward to what God is getting ready to place back onto the property. And so as we held hands and prayed and looked around at the dirt and the holes and the excavation and everything that was going on, 
We just were overwhelmed with a sense of what God has called us to do to reach people for Jesus in our community. We began to imagine what the new campus might look like. And so I'm sure that you're probably thinking that as well. And I'm so excited today to introduce to you uh, what our campus will look like on the outside and on the inside. To better serve and be present in the South Park community, the congregation of Sharon United Methodist Church decided not only to change its name to South Park Church, but also to tear down our iconic building in order to redevelop our seven-acre property into a mixed-use development. This new modern campus will create a place where people can live, work, shop, eat, enjoy the arts, and worship. Anchoring the development will be our new home of South Park Church, launching the Love South Park Initiative, a project to create a place where the church and community intersect. The development will be called Apex South Park and is located in the heart of South Park across the street from South Park Mall. Apex South Park will deliver an exciting urban experience that we believe will address the increasingly sophisticated demands of the South Park market. The development will consist of 345 apartment units and 88,000 square feet of ground floor retail. The property will also feature a 175 room hotel with a rooftop restaurant and bar. A shared six level parking structure will serve the entire community. At the center of the development will be South Park Church's new worship center. We're excited to interact with the community 24 seven, leading people into the rich life found in Jesus Christ. Let's take a look inside. Inside the new church, there are four main floors accessible by multiple elevators and stairs. This modern art gallery feel on the lower level will invite guests inside to explore how Jesus can bring transformation in the crossroads of their life. In the main lobby found on the second floor, guests will experience a modern aesthetic with traditional mindfulness. We hope you envision yourself making new friendships before and after worship or during the week at a community event. The second floor will have two different venues for worship, one being a performing arts center that will be built in the second phase of the project. This venue will hold 700 people for weekly modern worship and other events throughout the week. Lower level seating can be cleared for table seating and it will have state-of-the-art audio, visual, and lighting equipment. We are providing an opportunity for our community to attend a concert on Friday and then church on Sunday. We believe this will be a powerful tool to engage our South Park community and fulfill a major need by providing the only venue like this one within South Park. In the old building, the church was only able to interact with about 700 people per week on the property. Within this new development, we will be able to interact with 12,000 people each week. Imagine this lobby area filled with people not only on Sundays, but throughout the week gathering for different events the church can host to empower and support the South Park community. We'll also have the opportunity to reach the next generation in big ways. Our children's ministry explores has a mission to take children on an adventure through God's Word. There's no better way to support that than with fun and engaging rooms, each designed to meet the needs of specific age groups. Each week, children will encounter worship and God's Word in new ways to help them grow closer to Jesus. There will be rooms for elementary, preschool, nursery, mother's rooms, and even a special room for volunteers to gather and rest. Through the corridor, we come to the prayer room and foyer we anticipate being open throughout the week and open to the public. We also find the second worship venue, a beautiful room with traditional style capable of seating 300 people. 
guests can anticipate hearing the pipe organ, the full choir, as well as getting a scenic view of South Park through the stained glass. We're so excited about this new project and the opportunities we have to reach the South Park community for Jesus. We hope you will join us in prayer as we approach a completion date of early summer 2020. Wow, isn't that amazing? I'm so excited about what God's called us to do. And as exciting as it is, though, I'm sure that some of us are saying, well, why did we tear down our building? We loved it. It was an icon. It was a legacy in Charlotte. Uh, and why did we have to do that? That's a great question. Let's hear from John Champ, one of our founding members, on why this is the move that God has called us to make. 52 years ago, the place that we're sitting was literally just a field. And it was uh, difficult to envision what this was going to look like. When I dug that first shovel of dirt, I was just glad to be able to say, we're going to have a building sitting on this thing. And it's at this point, it's only going to be a church. It's not going to be some of the other areas that ultimately became a part of our church. It was just going to be the sanctuary. And we were so proud of that. And I see the same thing going to happen when we open the doors here in South Park with the new South Park Church. We're going to be as excited as we were then. And the vision that the folks that started this church had is going to be carried out in what we end up doing in this concept. The things that were so important to us in our earlier days when we first got into the church was we brought it all together. All of a sudden we had a place for everybody, for Sunday school, for the churches. And all of a sudden we've got a now a project that's light years bigger, better, and more important than what we had 50 years ago. You look at it and say, well, what's the most important thing in this new plan? To me, it's the concept. Everything is here. Not like we're raising funds or we're trying to develop a master plan for the sanctuary or for a recreation area. It's a total package. People are excited now that we're within spitting distance of where we need to be. I think that's why people are so excited about the opportunities that the next couple of years provide us. We're sitting on top of something that offers us the opportunity to reach a community that needs us, that's important for us to grow with, and we have a facility plan that's gonna meet the needs of the community we're a part of. It's gonna bring us closer to God, and it's gonna give us a position in this community that is gonna be important for years to come. I love what John said about how the founding members would be pleased with the direction of what we're doing because it's consistent with who we are as a congregation. As we think about why we're doing this and the vision that God has given us, I think that vision has been with us for 50 years, maybe expressed in different ways, but the core things to our vision have remained steadfast. And I think the reason that people come to our church and are attracted to it and decide to stay with our church uh, are multiple, but I think some of them stand out more than others. I think a key thing about our congregation is that we're a relational church. We see that the most important things in life are relationships with God and with each other. I think another one of our core values is transformation, that God meets us where we are and He helps us become something more. We find the loving and saving power of Jesus Christ and it changes who we are and it makes us better. And I think also another one of our core values is generosity, that we feel that God has blessed us with great resources and we are called to use them to serve and advance God's kingdom. 
Especially we're generous with our time of volunteering our hours as servant ministers in our community and in the nation and around the world. And we're also very generous with our money. We give it back to God to help feed the hungry, to help uh, start other churches, to help school children who are struggling, uh, to help rescue women who are being human trafficked. I mean, the list goes on and on. So we're relational, we're transformational, and we're generous. God has also called us to be the spiritual crossroads of the South Park community in Charlotte. And I think part of our project that we're doing also makes us a literal crossroads where the church and the community intersect, where we do life together. And our scriptural inspiration and foundation of this is when Jesus met with a woman from Samaria at a well uh, that we find in the Gospel of John chapter 4. This was a woman who was an outcast and she came not to find God or to meet Jesus, but to do an everyday activity. She was thirsty and she came to the well to get water. And while she was there, she met the Son of God himself and she opened her heart to Jesus and it changed her life. And that's the exact reason that we are building this campus in a mixed-use development with the church in the center is so that we can dig wells. It'll be a place where people work and live and eat and shop and find themselves entertained with the church in the middle where when they come to do these everyday activities, we are able to introduce them to the saving power of Jesus Christ. I think another powerful part of our vision uh, is that God has called us to be pioneers again. Just like John and some of the other founding members were 50 years ago when they launched a church in a cow pasture because they knew that people were coming to live and work and shop in the area, God's calling us to launch again as South Park Church. And our unique situation gives us access to many more people, and so we're kind of honoring the past. Another thing that we're doing is honoring the past of how they used to put churches in the center of towns in America and Europe early in our history. So the first thing that came into towns or cities were churches and everything else was built around that. So we have a chance to go back into our past as Americans to celebrate the church as the center of culture. And at the same time, while we're, we're tapping back into our past and we're being pioneers again, we're also doing something that no one else that we know about is doing in the United States in the church world. We are creating this incredible mixed-use development with the partnership with our community, with our city, in ways that we haven't been able to find elsewhere. And so it's an awesome call that God has placed upon us. And we've had people reach out to us from all over the place, trying to figure out what we're doing. There are a lot of people who are watching us. And our own denomination, the United Methodist Church, has invested $23.5 million into what we're doing. What other church has the trust of their denomination to have such an investment? Lots of folks believe in what we're doing, and they can't wait until our new campus is here so they can come and show others just what the power of God can do. Another important part of our vision is to be good stewards of what God has blessed us with. God gave us seven acres of property that used to be a cow pasture, but now sits in the heart of one of the most business-driven regional centers of all of not just Charlotte, but the Southeast, the South Park community. And so now with our new project, we're gonna be able to have over 12,000 people each week on campus versus 700 when we were in our previous campus. 
Another great thing about being good stewards is that we've taken some of the money that we receive for the, the sale of part of our land and we've placed that into a capital reserve account so that when we have future repairs and capital needs, the money's going to be there. We didn't have that before with our last campus and it caused us a great deal of trouble because we had to give more money to building and bricks and mortar and maintenance than we could give to ministry. And so we're trying to do away with that error and we've learned from our ways and so now we're going to be good stewards of God's resources so that we can spend more money on ministry than on maintenance of a building. That's also why we're, we're having a retail component that the church will own. And so we're going to lease that out to businesses in our community, giving them an opportunity to be in the heart of South Park. But it also allows us to have the rental income, again, to help pay for maintenance and brick and mortar so that more money that comes into the church can go to ministry that changes people's lives. So a very important part of our project is we've learned from our past how to be better good stewards of what God has given us so that we can do more for ministry rather than maintenance. So with an amazing vision like that, you think it would be easy to do everything that we're called to do. But it's not so easy because when God gives a great vision, then the evil one tries to stir things up and to cause problems. And the way that I see it is that we have two major problems that stand against us carrying out our vision. The first is something that we can see as a historic part of our congregation. For the first 30 of the 50 years of our church's history, we did incredibly well reaching the Sharon community that grew up around us. As we led that community to Christ, as we served and, and, and gave everything that we could to make the community a better place, we did well. But about 20 years ago, we began into a slow decline uh, over the course of that 20 years in which we lost half of our congregation. Not just our, our membership that was on the rolls, but active people who were a part of our church. There was no major scandal. There was, there was no intent that we need to run people away. As we stopped and th thought about it and prayed about it and we looked backwards, we discovered that what happened was that the Sharon community slowly transformed into the South Park community and our church did not adjust. We continued doing things as if it was the Sharon community and we didn't recognize that the South Park community was growing up around us. And so we became less relevant to our community and we saw the slow, steady decline of over 20 years. And we're not alone in that. Many mainline denomination churches around our nation are suffering from the very same thing. The difference is that we made a conscious decision five years ago to stop being a dying church to once again hear from God and His call for us to minister to our current community just like our founders ministered to the Sharon community. And so we've made great efforts and strides to turn that around and so that's a problem that we certainly are overcoming. The other major problem that we face is that just uh, in America right now, people just aren't as interested in the church, just aren't interested in a, a religion, just aren't interested in God as much as we have been in the past, and that is a huge obstacle to overcome. And a really sad part about this is, we are in danger of having an entire generation not know the loving power and saving power of Jesus Christ. Our young adults, our children, many of them are not involved in church, have never been exposed to God through church, and so it, it's just heartbreaking that all of the great things that you and I know from a relationship with Jesus, a full life that is lived out in Christ, 
All of the fellowship and love and support that we give one another, the power that comes from serving people in our world who are hurting in the name of Jesus. There's so many people in our culture and our community who are missing out on that. And these are our children, our grandchildren, our friends, our neighbors, people that we work with, people that we love and care about are missing out on the full life that Jesus promised us when he came to walk on this earth. I have a family member who works for one of the best companies in all of America. He's climbed the corporate ladder, done everything that he was supposed to do. He has a big house, has a fancy car, has plenty of money, uh, family, everything that America says is our dream. He also works with many people at his company who have the very same things. The heartbreaking thing is, is that when they get together uh, for lunch at work and they begin to talk about things, that all of them who work in the office are miserable. They can't wait to find another job. They're always chasing something else. And again, these are people who have everything that the American dream says will make us happy. But none of it's making them happy and they feel empty on the inside. Now we contrast that with a young professional living in our community in Charlotte who's found our church and considers it his church home. So with those very real problems, we have been working on solutions over the past five years as part of the relaunch of our entire church. And a huge component in that is the new campus. And there are many benefits that we think the campus will bring that will help us to bridge these problems that we're talking about. So let's take a few minutes and explore some of the awesome things that we're gonna be able to do in our new campus to reach people for Jesus. So some of the benefits are, we'll be the heart of a mixed-use development where the church and community intersect. We'll have a state-of-the-art facility that fits with the South Park community. We'll have ministry space uh, that will allow us to reach our community and also give us room to grow in the meantime. We'll have rental income that will allow more of our money that we donate to be spent on ministry than on maintenance. We'll create a nationwide model for how to do church in a new way. We'll also continue with our spiritual worship, small groups, students, children, ministering to people of all ages, from young adult to senior adult. We'll be able to host speakers about relevant subjects to our community, such as race relations, parenting, and aging. We'll be a center for the arts. In a future phase, we'll build a performing arts center, but we don't have to wait that long. Our first phase will have opportunities to host arts, such as the drama camps, and music camps. We'll host groups in our campus such as Alcoholics Anonymous, be a voting center for our community. When things like Hurricane Florence and other national disasters come, we could be a drop-off point for South Park residents to bring buckets and aid supplies to send off to help people who are hurting around our state and our nation. We'll be able to do meal packing events. We did a million of these in other churches We'll be able to do that in our own campus one day. And the best benefit of Save for Last is the relationships that we'll be able to build with those who are living in the Apex development. Just like we've had a chance to do at Phillips Place where we worship at the Regal Cinemas there, uh, we've established uh, amazing personal relationships. A couple of examples, uh, the manager of the movie theater we've come to get to know and love, and we were able to throw her a baby shower for her twin boys, her first children, and it was such a wonderful thing, and she's very appreciative of that. It just it helped show that the church cares for her and the movie theater cares for us being there, and it's a special bond that we have. 
One of the security uh, personnel in Phillips Place has come to the church and is consistently sharing prayer requests with us and thanks us for praying for the situations in, in her life. And so as we begin to make inroads in our temporary home at Phillips Place, I just can't wait to be able to do that on a permanent basis in our new campus with all the new businesses and all the residents who live there in the apartments. Uh, I think we're scratching the surface now in some amazing relationships that will continue uh, with Phillips Place. But it, we have so many more opportunities in our new campus where we'll be visible 24-7. And I just can't wait to see the people that we're going to meet and how we're going to be able to do life together with them. So for the past five years, this project that we've been working on, we've called Dream Big South Park. The great news is that that dream is now coming true. And so we're shifting our focus away from Dream Big to Love South Park. And I want to take a few minutes to talk about where that idea of Love South Park comes from. And the great answer is it comes from the Bible. As we read uh, in the Gospels of Jesus, he says that there's some very important things that he wants us to do. Uh, and two of the most important things are to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And then Jesus adds on that we are to make disciples of all people. And so that's the reason that we exist as a church. That's the reason that we're doing what we're doing is because God calls us to love our neighbors as ourselves. So we are now shifting to make that the official uh, title of what we're doing, Love South Park. Why have we torn down our building that we loved with all those memories for 50 years? Why did we rename our church? Why are we doing uh, the rigors of mobile worship in a movie theater, setting up and taking down each week? Why are we building a whole brand new campus? Because we love South Park. And we believe that God has placed us here to share the love of Jesus Christ with our community. Jesus says this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Why are we doing what we're doing? Because we love God and we love the South Park community. So a big question is, how are we gonna pay for this? And what are our financial goals? So let me walk you through that right now. The total cost of our phase one construction is $19.8 million. Of the $19.8 million, we're looking to raise $1.65 million through a capital campaign over the course of two years. We'll also be taking on a $4.4 million mortgage that's going to be serviced by our rental income, which we've talked about earlier. I want to talk also just for a minute about the total value of Phase 1. The Phase 1 construction cost again, $19.8 million. $2.5 million is what our property is worth. We also have put $2.5 million into a capital reserve fund. And Childress Klein Properties, our development partner, is giving us $6 million worth of amenities such as parking. So a total value of phase one is $30.8 million. And of that, we are looking to raise $1.65 million in our capital campaign. An important date to keep in mind is our commitment Sunday is November the 18th, in which we'll have an opportunity to turn in our capital campaign commitment card. Another question that we might have is, why did we take $2.5 million and put it in a capital reserve fund? We could take that money and apply it to the cost of the building, and we wouldn't have to have a capital campaign. In fact, we'd have almost an extra million dollars to, to spend beyond that. That's a great question. 
The answer to that is we want to be good stewards of what God has given us. We got into a lot of trouble in our past campus because we didn't have enough money set aside to take care of the property. And so the property began to get into bad shape and it cost more of our money that took away from ministry. And so we don't want to set up the future generation to have to be in the same problem that we are coming out of. Yes, we could take two and a half million dollars apply it to the building now, save ourselves from having to make sacrificial gifts to raise the money through a capital campaign. But I think that would be a selfish move, and we're not a selfish church. We're a generous church, and we want to set up future generations for success. So I think the Capital Reserve Fund is the right stewardship move to make, and I'm sure that you agree with that because God has given us this dream. God has given us this vision. It's our risk to take. We, we don't put that risk on future generations. We're here to help set up future generations for success and to find Jesus. So a great follow-up question to that is, can we do it? Can we raise $1.65 million in a two-year capital campaign? Absolutely we can do that. Other churches who've raised money through capital campaigns for buildings have discovered that a great goal is about two times or two and a half times a church's annual budget. Our $1.65 million goal is exactly twice our annual budget. So I have every confidence that we're going to reach that through the capital campaign. And I won't be surprised if we surpass that and, and bring in something around $2 million. And what a great problem to have then with extra money that the project certainly needs that we could then roll back into the project. So yes, we can absolutely do this. So as we think about giving to God to support this awesome project, I'm sure that fills us maybe with some uncertainty, maybe even fear. And why should we give to God? God doesn't need our money. God can do whatever God wants to do. And I think the Bible teaches us a couple of things about giving to God. First of all, our giving to God is about our relationship to God. It says that, God, we love you more than we love our stuff. And so when we're willing to make a sacrifice of our material wealth to God, it says, God, you're more important. And so that reflects our relationship to God. I think a second thing that Scripture teaches us is that when we give to God through the ministries of the church, it says that we get to be a part of something bigger than who we are. It says that we get to be a part of building God's kingdom here on planet Earth, here in South Park. And so what better resource could we have to support than God's kingdom? So giving to God is all about a relationship. It's all about being a part of something bigger than who we are. And so that's why God asks us to give. He doesn't need it. It's good for us when we're generous. And so I just would invite you to begin to start thinking and praying about what it means in your own life to be generous with what God has blessed you with by giving it back to God. So when we're generous to God and we're helping to build the kingdom, it's actually transforming real lives. I'd like to introduce you to Anna Claire, who is an active part of our church family, and let her tell you in her own words how our generosity has created a church family where she has felt at home. I grew up Catholic and I didn't really pay attention at church growing up, unfortunately. I tried, but it was hard. And this was one of the first times that I actually knew exactly what was said in church that day. And it was the first time that, like during the week, I would actually think about different things happening and I would go back and be like, wow, like that, that was said on Sunday. 
And I feel like that keeps happening. Going to South Park has opened me up to tons of new relationships and people and just, I mean, the people and the relationships I've built have helped my life already. Small group, honestly, it was kind of the same thing as church. The more we went, just the more your, your day, it was something to look forward to. The people were awesome, um, building those relationships. And then eventually, we decided to go ahead and have it at our house and host it. It's good when you talk with people who are going through the same things as you, who kind of have similar beliefs and values to you, and you know that you're not the only one that certain things happen with, and you're just kind of not alone. You have those people that you can be friends with that also do everything that you do. They sin, they, you know, and we can all get through it together. So this building project, it's exciting. It's really the first time I've kind of heard and experienced something like this happening to kind of put a church around a ton of businesses and different day-to-day -day life things that a lot of people, you know, they may not go to church, but they're going to see a church in the middle of it. So that's kind of exciting that, you know, it, it may take people like me who are just trying to find a church. You know, I just Googled a bunch when I first started, so um, it's kind of exciting that this is going to be in the center of something and get so much attention. What an amazing story from our church family. That's exactly what God has called us to do. And we can see that when we align with God's vision, we help to change lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now just imagine all those other people in our community who are not yet experiencing life to the full as Jesus came to give us. That's why this project is so important. That's why there is this huge sense of urgency. That's why we have sacrificed everything over the past five years. Everyday people, our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors, our friends, need the saving power of Jesus Christ. And that's why the Love South Park Initiative is our number one goal right now moving forward because people need Jesus. And I'm confident that we're on the right track of doing everything that we can to make sure that they can find full life in Christ. So right now in this moment, there are three things that I'm gonna ask you to do. The first is to stop and enjoy the moment. This is such an incredible vision that God has given to us. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. I know that some of us have been working on this for five years and some of us are brand new to it. Wherever we are in our walk, enjoy the moment. For whatever reason, God has tapped us on the shoulder to say, I have this incredible dream I want you to live out. Folks, just stop and enjoy this moment that God has given us. The second is to commit to hearing what God would have you do in this season. Again, it's a good time for soul searching. It's a time for praying and listening to God, talking to those in your family, what is it that God is calling you to do as part of the Love South Park initiative? How is God calling you to personally make a sacrificial commitment? And the third is simply to be an ambassador of accurate information. We've talked about a lot of things today, and so I just would encourage you to let that soak in. If you need to go back and watch certain parts over again, we wanna be completely transparent with everybody about what we're doing because this is so important. And so if you hear some misinformation out there, uh, you now have the tools to be able to speak into that because we want everybody to be on the same page. This project is so big that it is only directly from God. 
how humbling and how awesome it is that God has invited all of us, whether we're already part of the church, we're considering to be a part of the church. God's vision is for all of us. As a pastor, to be a part of something like this, it's just completely incredible. So I thank you for your interest. I thank you for your time. I thank you for your prayers and support. Again, this is God's dream that has come true and is in our midst. And now we get to continue to carry that out as we love our community. Come and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Make a universal, eternal difference in someone's life by supporting the Love South Park Initiative. We're grateful for you. We're grateful for your time. Thank you, and God bless you.